Hi, I'm Jake Cornell. I'm a comedian in New York City, and for the past 10 years, I've been living and breathing the restaurant industry. This is a show where I'll be talking to comedians, actors, bartenders, chefs, and restaurant owners about all things going out. We'll talk about restaurants, bars, staying in, drinking, not drinking, and whatever else we want. This is Going Out with Jake Cornell. It's Jake, and this is the first ever episode of the show. I am very, very excited to have you all here. I'm not going to talk too much at the top of these episodes because, frankly, I do just want to jump into the interviews. They are quite delicious. Um, But I just wanted to let you know who we are talking to. And today we are talking to someone. Her name was one of the first names to come up when we started making the show. She has a cookbook out called Cook This Book that is absolutely fantastic. If you haven't bought it, that is a huge issue on your part. Please fix it. Um, She's developed some of my favorite recipes I have ever cooked. This conversation was so fun. I am dying to go to LA and hang out with her. Please enjoy me going out with Molly Baz. This is our first date. This is our first date. Such a long time coming, honestly. So I have some, I don't mean to make you jealous, but I do, based on some lay internet stalking, I do know this about you. And completely not by my design, my friend picked the plans for this evening. I think I'm going to your favorite restaurant tonight for dinner. You're going to Bernie's? I'm going to Bernie's. Oh my God. It could not be more perfect. It could not be more perfect. And I and I forgot about it and I made the plans and I was walking here to record and I was like, holy shit, it's Molly's favorite restaurant. I'm eating there for dinner. Tonight. That's that's cosmic. It's so wait, tr- have you never been there before? So I've been once before and I had a fantastic time. Had an absolutely fantastic time. But what I'm really excited about is so something I'm really so one of my favorite foods to eat at a restaurant is a roast chicken. Bless. Just like absolutely, it's one of my absolute favorite things to eat in a restaurant, always. Um, and I have like a a little like a small list of like my favorite roast chickens in New York that I like to eat. And someone I was out at my favorite place to have roast chicken, which is Walters on Fort Green Park. Have you been? Oh, no. Yes, of course okay, I've been. God. Walters. Wait, I'm sorry to jump in here, no, but no, Walters. This is we're doing it. <laughs> okay, Walters was the predecessor to Bernie's for me. So my neighborhood restaurant before Bernie's existed oh. was Walters, the one in Brooklyn, though. And I would go there several times a week and I always got their Caesar salad and I sometimes would get their chicken and I oftentimes would get their steak and then they closed the one yeah. in Williamsburg and then Bernie's open and I was like thank god like there's a replacement neighborhood you. spot yeah so the Walters in Fort Green Walters on Fort Green Park on DeKalb is one of my favorite New York restaurants it is like it feels like home to me like I just so I, New York. I'm so happy there I'm so the service is always great everything's so consistent yeah. That chicken is like my like mo- number one New York comfort food is the Walters chicken, I think. And I brought a friend of mine from college was in town this past weekend. And so like six of us went there. We had like the big booth. It was heaven. And I was oh. saying that the, ch- the chicken is one of my favorite things in New York. And my friend Olivia was like, have you had the salt and vinegar chicken at Bernie's? And I The have- vinegar chicken. Oh, sorry. Vinegar chicken. Yes. I have not had it. I've only done the burger. So tonight I'm going to get the chicken and I'm very it excited. Is- iconic like it is one of the best it is for me one of the best chickens in new york and i'm curious to hear what your other ones are the fly there's no oh, duh. obsessed with the fly duh and then but what have you had the roast chicken at le crocodile no oh jake 
you have to go. Where? Okay, I will. That's it. it it's now it's top the of my restaurant in, in the White Hotel. Oh yes. And okay. It's the same chefs who started Chez Matante. I don't know if you've ever been there, but uh, another one Chez of my Matante favorite restaurants. Chez is one of the best brunches I've ever had in New York, for sure. It was the Chez so Matante good. brunch. Unreal. Love that restaurant. They opened up La Crocodile in the lobby of the White Hotel. It's like a new, like a modern French bistro. Okay. And it's gorgeous inside. And they have a roast chicken with French fries. And it comes Ooh. with like a salsa verde, like chimichurri, something, something. And the skin is so crispy and so golden brown. It is so juicy and salty. And it's, you have, you have okay. to try it. I'm going to do that within the month, I promise you. And then my other favorite, and I, you've, I'm almost certain you've never had this, is the crispy chicken at the restaurant I, I worked, my, the last restaurant I ever worked at, which is Kindred, which is the sister restaurant to Ruffian. Um, and I think you were in LA by the time it opened. It opened October of 2019. Um, oh my God, I missed out on the, that whole thing. We will go when you, when you, next time you're in New York, I will take you to Kindred for the chicken, but it is like a sous vide chicken flash fried. It's like so juicy, so crispy. And then it's covered in like Meyer lemon reduction and mustard seeds. Whoa. So, what part of the chicken is it? You can do a whole bird or a half bird. Oh, wow. And it's, I ate it like I ate it. Almost any shift, if I got hungry on a shift, like there was not really anything else I would order. And like everything on that menu is delicious, but that chicken is like one of my favorite things. Okay, wait. So back it up for a second. What do you do in restaurants or what did you do in restaurants? What What's your role? What I was what a bartender starting at 18. Bartender. So okay. and before that, I mean, like I've just, until I was able to do comedy full time, like food and restaurants was my, my gig. And like okay. when I first... So I started, I worked at a Ben and Jerry's in high school. I was a little scooper. That was my first job. Yeah. And like entered my entry into food. And then when I was 18, I started bartending in England and loved it. Um, like fell absolutely in love with it. And then I moved back to Vermont to finish college. And I bartended at this like Mexican restaurant on Church Street in Burlington. And it was like the most fun time of my life because it was a bunch of kids all working in a Mexican restaurant like drinking margaritas and hanging out and then we would there was a martini bar across the street that we would all go to after every shift and like hang out and like the cost of living it was low in Burlington and we were making like a hundred dollars cash a night and then just being like throwing it to the wind so oh my god when I moved, and you would go margarita over to martini it was, back to back yeah, yeah yeah and also like I was I was like 21 so like hangovers were like a 15 minute issue you know what I mean like yeah and they were like fun back then you were like <laughs> can't were, wait like, to be hung over tomorrow like this is gonna be fun what dumb shit are we gonna do what now sandwich like, am I gonna eat death. to make it feel better yeah exactly but so when I moved to New York I was truly like, I'm going to do restaurants professionally and comedy. Like, and I wasn't sure which I was kind of like, I loved restaurants so much that I was like, I will pursue a professional restaurant career while pursuing comedy. So wow, that okay. if comedy doesn't work out, I will have this career to fall back on. And yeah. that ended up not really being like not working out one, because both restaurants and comedy are like beyond full-time jobs. Like, so there was yeah. no way to do both. And also the first restaurant I worked at in New York was honestly like a kind of De devastating experience like brutal just like miserable and I was mm -hmm. like oh I think I have to go all in on comedy but I stayed in restaurants for seven more years just to like while I was building up in comedy okay and are you currently working in a restaurant no. now I just do comedy full-time mazel thank you it's weird it's definitely weird because I mean we're only like a few months into that you know and yeah I still pick up like if they like if Kindred needs me if Kindred's like really 
like desperate for a shift or honestly, like if I'm bored sometimes, <laughs> like it's like, yeah, I'll go do a shift. Like it's kind of fun now that it's like yeah. part of my free time. Side gig. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I did it for like truly 10 years and I, I loved it most of the time. I mean, like sometimes it was brutal, but I learned so much. And I think like I'll, I love restaurants and bars so much as like a patron that I'll, I'll always yeah. be like part of that world for sure. Totally. I mean, I really miss working in restaurants sometimes. Like I, I also got my start in restaurants. Granted, I'm still in the food industry, but totally. in a very different way. Yeah. And I worked in restaurants in New York for not 10, but five years. Um, and I miss the adrenaline of it. Like totally. I don't get to tap into that in any way in the work that I do now, really, because I'm just like me creating my content and developing recipes in my home kitchen by myself. And nobody's like, let's go, let's go, let's go. You know, there's like no pressure. It's a different kind of stress. Yeah. It's different. There's no shift drink at the end of the night. Like totally. it's just a different vibe. And I miss that like jolt of energy that I would get every day from working in a restaurant. Yeah, there is something, I mean, there's something nice about not having to self-start, right? Like just getting your ass kicked like into gear every day, like by the, totally. the shift itself is there is a luxury to that. Were you always back of house or did you ever do front of house? Never did front of, maybe like my first, actually that's not true. I did do front of house, but this was before I was like thinking about food industry from a cooking perspective. So like when I was in high school, I was a waitress at a barbecue spot, but like food wasn't really on the brain at that point in terms of a career for me. And then once I like started to get into it really professionally, I just went straight into back of house. I took my first job at a French bistro in Boston. Um, Which is where you're from? No, I lived there for one year. It was a really weird year. I'm not a big Boston fan. Sorry. Same. same, same. Um, And, but I took my first like full-time restaurant job there at a place called the Beacon Hill Bistro. And I don't know why they hired me, honestly, like I was a mess, but they hired me to work the roast station, like not even the salad station. They just like put me on roast day one. And I just like crashed and burned until I picked myself up and then honestly kind of crushed it after that. I mean, I had the same experience with my first New York restaurant job because I showed up to New York having worked in restaurants for three years thinking like, oh, I already got this. And I worked at like a very high end restaurant in Gramercy and- um, I was it's like, whole dec- game. I was like, I was so fucking decimated so yeah. fucking fast. Like and I had know. to just like learn, but by, by the time I left that restaurant, I was like, oh, now I could actually truly work anywhere and, yeah. and rock it. And in fact, like could like, um, but it, New York will do that, that to you. Like the restaurant scene in New York, like, and the volume and the standards that, that restaurants uphold, it's just like unlike anywhere else. And so you drop into one of those spots for even like a year and like you get yourself made, you know? A- absolutely. What was, what was that transition for you? Like you meant like the starting to think about food and restaurants as a career. When did that happen? It was uh, in college, really, like I went, I went to Skidmore and I went to college for art history and I thought I was going to pursue art history. I thought I would work in a gallery, maybe own a gallery it, that it sounds so crazy to even say that now. Cause it feels so far away um, <laughs> from anything that I'm interested in now, Totally. but I, while I was studying art history, I studied abroad, um, two different semesters in, in Europe and the food in Europe just like blew me away. Totally. I lived in Florence and then I lived in Paris and I was like, well, yeah. oh, oh, like I get it. Like this is good food and whatever I've been eating, whatever I grew up on <laughs> wasn't it. You know what I Where mean? Where are you and from? I was, 
I'm from upstate New York, from the Hudson Valley. Okay. Which and has I didn't like grow a up gorgeous in a big, food like, scene now, but I'm assuming back when we were younger, it was like totally different. N- totally. Yeah. Like it was not what it is now. Like nobody was going up there weekending to all the like cute little. I'm like, from Vermont and it's the exact same. Like the food in Vermont now is like literally fucking beyond. And I feel like when I, when I was growing up, that was not the case. Well, wait, did you grow up in Burlington? No, I grew up in um, like a small town called Shrewsbury, like an hour and a half, two hours south of Burlington. Okay. And then did you go to UVM? Yeah, I went to UVM. Oh, nice. Yeah. What a great, like classic New England experience. Oh, yeah. Like I'm like embarrassingly New England. My entire family's from Rhode Island. I was born in Rhode Island, raised in Vermont. Like just like (laughs) I bleed. Will you ever leave? Well, I'm in New York, so I did leave New England technically, but like it's, but I know what you mean. I would, if like work necessitated, I had to go to LA, I would, but I would. Come to LA. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Do you know how much fucking fun we would have in LA, Jake? We would have so much fun in LA, but I fucking love New York. Like I fucking love <sighs> Look, I will like in the dream world, I will be, and it's so obnoxious to say it, but I would love to be bi-coastal. Bi-coastal. You know. I know. But, you I don't know. will. I, I see it for you. Thank I mean, you. you can't really be in your line of work and not even like fuck with LA just a little bit. No, I'll fuck with LA for sure. But like, okay. I don't think, I don't see me being monogamous with LA. Like, I'll be in an open relationship with LA. <laughs> okay. That's totally fine. And with I me. think that's all I ask. I think, yes, I think that'll definitely be in my future. But I do really, really, really love New York. And I really love Brooklyn. Like, once, especially once I moved into Brooklyn and like really started to like kind of set roots down, I was like, I, this is truly home. Yeah, you um, are. You read very Brooklyn. Thank you. I think I'll take that as a compliment. But totally. So okay. So this is moving from talking about restaurants and all this as work. Like I want to yeah. hear what does going out mean to you? Like if you want to go out, mm. what does that look like for you? And at this current juncture, if you were to ask me like on any given day, it was like, let's go out tonight. Yeah. What would I say? Yeah. I would say, let's go to found oyster. I don't, you haven't been there because you don't come to LA the picture for me. Found oyster is currently my favorite restaurant. It's a tiny little seafood spot and it's, it's very new England. Like, I think that's what I like about it is like, mm-hmm. it's a little bit of new England on the West coast. It's, the um the people who run it slash manage it have their parents have a farm on um, an oyster farm uh in cape cod and so they get all of their shellfish from their parents on cape cod and it's got this kind of like new england lobster shack vibe but it's like also the most brooklyn place i've ever seen like it 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 feels like it could be a member of like the diner Marlowe group but like transplanted out here okay um but it also but it has like it has a patio on you know and it's like in the middle of LA and there's like palm trees on the street so it's like it's just like it's straddling both worlds for me I think it's like a little bit of Brooklyn a little bit of the east coast which is where I grew up and then also very LA and the food is so phenomenal and so consistent and that is like for me obviously the sign of a great restaurant it's like that I go back there, and if I fall in love with the dish and I want to go back and back, it, it's the same dish every the Walter's time. Chicken. The Walter's chicken. Yeah. The Walter chicken, the Bernie's vinegar chicken, the yeah. Walter Caesar salad. Like, so, um, so that's for me, that's my, my ideal night is either found oyster and I'm sitting down, I'm having like a seafood tower. 
and some glasses of wine. And I'm mostly filling up on like raw shellfish and bread and butter. Fuck yeah. Or I'm going to a wine bar and just snick snacking and drinking tons of different glasses of wine and like just spending the night. Who knows what happens after that? There's a place called voodoo that opened up recently actually as i'm saying it i'm like why am i saying this because i don't want to blow this place up but (laughs) also i love them and i feel like i want to support them it's the most like sort of european casual no pomp and circumstance wine bar they like they just have like a couple of tables out on the sidewalk they have some bottles on some shelves inside and it's like what do you want to drink and like here's some snacks and it's just like the chillest place ever it reminds me of Paris, another place that like is a, has a big place in my heart. Um, and I could just spend 17 hours there consecutively and never want to leave. I feel like it, I'm getting the vibe that you and I have a similar taste in restaurants and bars in the that like very specific marriage of like very casual, chill, like vibe and service, but like paired with really solid product and knowledge and like because it's like yeah. we're casual because we don't need to worry because we got it not like totally you know we don't I mean? have like, to prove like anything give a to fuck. you not like we don't yeah. give a fuck it's like we've given all the fucks and now it's locked down and yes. spaces like that are that's and that's so bernie's now that i think about it like totally yeah and it's like it's like the food's gonna speak for itself so we're not going to like, we're not going to sugarcoat the rest of it. You know what I mean? Like we're dropping you in the, that is the vibe. That's always, that to me is what creates the most immersive experience. And for me, I love to feel like I'm kind of in a little world. Like I've kind of been dropped into this total thing where it's like, like the sleep no more of restaurants and not like, like I'm not saying like, not like Jekyll and Hyde's Times Square, but like, just like that thing where it kind of feels like you fully get kind of subsumed into like, what the restaurant had envisioned for the experience totally. and so it feels very natural is like, that's just absolutely heaven to me. I mean, that's why you go out, right? Like that's what going out really is. It's, it's like finding a place that you can immerse yourself in and have like a transportive transformative experience so that you're, you get like taken outside of your norm and like your routine and your life. That's why we seek it out. And that's why going out to eat is just it is an entirely different thing from eating at home. And even if I were to have the exact same meal that I have at Found Oyster every time I go there in my own home, like it just hits different. It hits completely different. Cause also it's like, I'm scratching two different itches. If I'm like, I'm going to spend two hours cooking dinner tonight, you know what totally. I mean? And then like sitting down and eating it. That's like a completely different itch. than I'm going to go sit down at this wine bar for 17 hours and try like 20 different wines and eat a bunch of snacks. Like <laughs> that's, it's two different itches. Yeah, totally. So is is wine, in terms of drinking for you, is wine the go-to? For the most part. I probably drink 65 to 70% wine. Mm -hmm. Let me make sure I do the math right. 25% cocktails and 10% beer. Word. And then, like, I drink so much water. So much water. You have to. But, But that's, like, a different... I think I actually... I like should go see a doctor. I think I have like an actual medical problem where like I, I am constantly drinking water. I must drink like four gallons of water a day. It has nothing to do with going out. I just want you to okay. know, like I drink all day long and I pee all day long. I will tell you. Okay. But also you, and I know you salt the shit out of your, like you're, a, it's the Maybe salt. that's like, why. Because, wait, can I tell you this? You're, this is, 
So you, my boyfriend, Nate, has your palate down. Like Caesar salad, like a Caesar salad, cheesy, salty, like if- Lemony. Lemony, yes. Like very- Dill. Dill, I mean, yeah. And lemon and dill is like the Venn diagram for Nate and I. Like that's where we get, like that's where we cross over. I lend towards like- much more like briny, acidic, fermented kind of food, and he's more okay. like cheesy Caesar salady vibes. Okay. So, like when we first when when you first like came into our lives, and we were learning about some like learning expanding our food knowledge via the content you were putting out, you know that the box of Malden salt developed in the home, and then suddenly like Nate Princess Nate cannot eat a single food unless there's crunchy Malden on it. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. Fast forward six months, his doctor's like, so your blood pressure has significantly increased. Shut up. I, I like feel responsible for this. And he was like, Nate was like, wait, what? And they were like, yeah, so your blood pressure is like concerning for like a 27-year-old. Like you might want to like, they were like, have you changed anything? And he was like, no. And then he came home and I was like, well, you have started maldening borderline everything. Like, and he was like, maybe I'll just stop maldening and see if it goes down. And it absolutely did. No. <laughs> Oh my god! Like I am shocked right now. No, but I've now we've learned the balance. It's like you have so long. <laughs> go to the doctor and just get you know just get a your general checkup. That's what they call. It. But like I can't. I'm just like I'm too far down. I'm too far down the line. Like my sodium intake is way too high. I feel like for you would just doctor. bleed colatura. Like honestly. oh my god. <laughs> I'm scared, but that's so crazy. It wasn't like. So wait, what? It was now like, you guys don't use Malden anymore. No, we like, don't. What? No, we use Malden. It was just like being like, hey Nate, so like, you don't have to like cover your toast in Malden every morning. Like maybe that's a totally. Saturday treat. You know what I mean? Like it was just like learning. It. I mean, as with everything, it's about moderation. I mean, I put Malden on my fucking Cheerios. I did it yesterday. <laughs> I swear that to God. So- that on so I'm a honey nut cheer. I like honey nut Cheerios, and the Malden oh, on so honey good. nut sounds like it would be actually unfucking perfect. Real. That sounds so good. Like you have to. I can't that's buy cereal your, because that's your treat. Yeah, I'm gonna do that, but I actually don't let myself buy cereal because I've never in my adult life buying a box of cereal means eating a box of cereal that day. I can't control myself around it, so it's I don't. Buy you it. have cereal hands, so I, we have <laughs> thing in my household. My husband is he has that exact relationship but to popcorn. And so like if we're at the movie theater and we get a big thing of popcorn, he just goes repeatedly to his mouth, to the popcorn, to his mouth, to the popcorn until it is all gone. It doesn't matter how big the box is. Like he cannot stop. It's like, (laughs) there is something, there's a screw loose and he cannot, he's sick and and there's so much salt and there's so much butter. And he's just like more, more, more. And then his stomach hurts. (laughs) <laughs> yes. And he feels like shit. You have cereal hands. He's got popcorn hands. Years ago. This is like years. And this is like maybe like the first or second year I was in New York. I was dating this guy who was great. And one of his things was like he loved he he his food palate was disgusting. Like his he loved just like KFC McDonald's. Like he loved that like dirty shit that like is delicious, but like is also kind of gross. And like definitely encouraged me to lean into that side. And there was this one night where we had been out on a date and we had like gone out to dinner somewhere. We'd had a few drinks and we got off the subway. We were on the subway home. And I was like, do you want to get off a stop early and go to McDonald's and have like a second dinner at McDonald's? And he was like, sure. So we get off the train. We're in line at the McDonald's and I'm looking at the menu. We're like trying to figure out what we want. And I was like, do you want to like get whatever we were going to get and then split a 20 piece McNugget? (laughs) 
as like our app. And he was like, sure, like, let's do it. Like he was always down for the junk food. Yeah. So we get the 20 piece McNugget and like, I think probably quarter pounders or whatever. We sit down at the McDonald's, we like eat it all. And then we're walking home and we stop in a bodega to pick up beers to like have at home. And I'm like in the bodega in front of the, the cooler. And I'm like, I'm so full. And the guy, goes, he goes, um, just like, so you're aware, um, of the 20 piece McNugget we ordered, I ate one. And I, <laughs> and I was like, what? And he was like, did you not notice that like when we sat down, you just took down the McNuggets until they were gone and then started on your burger? And I was like, no, I did not even perceive that behavior. Like, oh my God. Like, so you have McNugget hands. McNugget hands. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, oh it was like, my uh, God. That's, I like truly have, I blacked out, took down these McNuggets with no control. Like, it was. Okay, I just have to say, like, of all of of all three of them, couldn't be worse. No, it's just to have McNugget hands. No, it's disgusting with sweet and sour sauce. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so repulsed, but also that sounds so good right now. I'm I'm so hungry. I would slam a McNug. McNuggets are the only McDonald's thing I get now, and it's like I know they're disgusting, but like I sometimes just need to lean into that. And also, I really fuck with the McDonald's ice cream. Um, Oh, I haven't had it. Just like the soft serve? It's soft serve that they legally can't call ice cream because it's not cream, so it's technically called ice milk. (laughs) (laughs) They do? I didn't know that. If you look at the McDonald's signs, it does not say ice cream anywhere because the Food and Drug Administration was like, you can't call it that. That's not what it is. Um, But wait, so there's no cream? So is it actually like mad healthy? It's milk. It's like low low fat and low calorie because it's made from milk and not ice cream i mean it's sweet it is not a rich ice cream like you can tell it's kind of like its own thing it's like and is it fluffy like airy and light yes yes Oof. it's good that sounds so good a little nugget a little it's also it's like 100 calories and it's like a dollar so sometimes like walking around new york if i just want like a little like kind of bump like a snack (laughs) yeah i'll dip into a a mcdonald's bump of (laughs) ice cream hot tip hot tip um so we said so 60% wine is kind of where we're at in terms of I think I said 65 I can't remember but yeah like around that what about you what are you drinking so that's an interesting question it has I would say so Kindred where I worked is predominantly a natural wine spot yeah and I think because I was drinking so much wine at work like just tasting shit constantly yeah and like, especially just like natural wine, like, and it was all delicious and fantastic, but it's like, everything's intense. You know what I mean? There's no, <laughs> they're so like alive and vibrant and like your palate is sometimes like, whoo. Yeah, exactly. That like anytime I can't tell you the last time I've ordered wine out unless I'm like having a glass of wine, like with food. Yeah. So I've been very cocktail heavy in my, like if mm. I'm out of the house, very, very cocktail heavy, like, and just like martinis. Like I really just, I think because so much of when I was working in restaurants was drinking wine. I just wanted to drink like a really dry gin martini and not really have to think about it much, you know, like clean. Yes. I think about this a lot actually. Cause I'm like, why aren't there more classic cocktails that are savory and not sweet? Like really, if you don't want a sugary cocktail, your options are basically bloody Mary martini and like maybe like vodka soda, but like that's garbage. Totally. I agree with this. I love a savory cocktail. Last year, before was it? Yeah, it was before the pandemic. So two years ago, I the a cocktail I developed for Kindred was a chicken fat washed martini. 
Oh my god! And it was like, it was like a rosemary chickeny gin <gasps> martini. Was it delicious? It was Wait, so... how did you wash it? Was it like rendered crispy so chicken? We, that chicken I to- I just described to you earlier, yeah. the kindred chicken. Yeah. They would. I had the kitchen hold the chicken fat for me, mm. and then you would let it sit on the. You'd pour that into the gin, and you'd let it sit for like three days, and then you'd throw it in the freezer. The fat solidifies, the gin stays liquid because it's booze. And then you just yep. pull the gin off. And then it was like a little like a little bit of sweet vermouth. Um, mm-hmm. and then I made like rosemary cocktail onions that I pickled in house. Mm. Oh my um, god, that sounds so good and savory. They were it was so fucking delicious. Yeah, <laughs> so I want to make delicious. that. Is um, it still on the menu? It's not, but I'll send you the recipe. It's not hard. If you're like regularly roasting chicken and have access to chicken fat, it's truly not you hard. Damn straight, all. I am. Okay, and, and great. It's so Do you good. like Bloody Marys? Love. A Bloody I feel like oh, thank God. Love, love, love a Bloody Mary. When I was working at Bon Appetit, I was at like, and this is a group of like I don't know. There's like forty people who who eat and drink a lot and right. care a lot about what they eat and drink. I was basically the only person on staff who liked Bloody Marys. Like, and I was like, I don't understand. This is so crazy to me because they are so delicious and so iconic and they hit the spot in a way that no other cocktail can. And I just don't understand how you could possibly not love a bloody. There's also, it's, it's such a wide, um, like spectrum of what they can be. That totally. it feels crazy to say, like, I don't like them at all because it's Across like, do you know what I mean? It's like, you can do ones that don't have horse rat. Like, there's so many variants that it's like, yeah. there's got to be one you like. Do you That's know crazy I- to me. Okay, so I love a Bloody Mary. Do you know where I love a Bloody Mary? And I've heard that this is like, there's like a scientific reason they taste better here. A Bloody Mary on a plane. Oh, it's got to do with altitude, always. Okay. I mean, I always drink bloodies on a plane. A Bloody on a plane is beyond anything I've ever, like, it's so delicious and it's truly just like v8 vodka and worcestershire like they're not doing anything <laughs> they're not doing anything or it's like the canned like mr and mrs t's or whatever yeah, the, it is yeah yeah mr t's you don't even get like your fresh pickles and your celery and your lemon like none of that but yeah i'll drink i'll drink virgin bloodies on a on a flight because like it's better than any other option totally. on there. what what are your specs for what are your like pre- preferences for your bloody Okay, so it's 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 pretty spicy. Like I just generally tend towards spicy foods, and so I like a lot of black pepper and okay. a lot of some kind of hot sauce. So I usually use I I make it with red. Have you ever had red clay hot sauce? No. You should try it. It's okay. um, from Charleston. Um, okay. It's made with fermented fresh red Fresno chilies, Ooh. which are my favorite chili, like fresh or fermented. Yep. Um, and it's really acidic and really just like tastes of the pepper. And so I tend to put red clay hot sauce in my bloody along with horseradish and black pepper, obviously, but lots of it. Um, I use pickle brine and olive brine, soy sauce, lemon juice, and then I usually put chopped dill in it and always, always pickled onions so I always make pickled red onions like just a yep. salt sugar vinegar brine and like I want like a fucking handful of them in any there. of the like, brine I want going in between in every bite onions? is it what is any of the brine from that going in as well or are we just doing the onions just the just, just the onions because we've got the pickles and the lemon and sure. the olive and There's all acid. of that 
it's like it's Ooh. intense my bloody mary mix is intense but the thing is that like i i don't drink i would never drink like five bloody marys no, you know one, what i mean like i'll two. drink 17 glasses of wine but yeah. two bloodies is kind of where i max out and so i like to go hard on those two and like really make them count i feel exactly the same i feel exactly the same yeah. i really want i love a mimosa to dismount a bloody mary that i really yeah. <laughs> I'm not a mimosa fan, but I'll go bloody to beer. And normally, oh, sure. like as I'm getting through the second bloody and I'm like through half of it in the second half of my second bloody, I start pouring beer into it I to extend its that. life. Yes. I mean, that's the pro. It's so good. It's like it's a gentle kind of like come down from the bloody and transition into beer for the rest of the day. Yes. Uh, what a play. That is that is one of the ultimate pro moves is, is yeah. riding out the bloody like, like with a, a good Modelo. Uh, I mean, there's no such thing as a bad Modelo, but. Um, yeah. Oh. What are your favorite bloodies in New York? I only can think of one that I really love. Do you have one? That's a good question. Um, Actually two, I can think of two. Wait, what are yours? And I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna think while you tell me yours. I love all of the bloodies at Prune. Have you been there? I have not been to Prune yet. You should go. And then the Bloody at Diner slash Marlowe. Okay. You've been there. I haven't. Oh my God, Jake, but you've I, got to. Like institutions. I know. You're in Brooklyn. I know. They're on the top of my list. And they have So get followed. their bloodies. I will get they their make bloody. the same bloody. But at you know what? They don't put the pickled onions on it at diner. They only put it at Marlowe. They're next door to each other in their sister restaurants. Okay. So when you so if go you to go Marlo. to diner, which I think you should, okay. ask for the bloody, but then ask for pickled onions, and they can either get them from next door or they can pull them from the kitchen where they put them on their burgers and take them off the line and put them in. But you have to get Can the I tell them onions. that you told me to do this? <laughs> yes, of course. It's just been, it's been my play. They did, um, they batched out like gallons upon gallons of Bloody Mary mix for me for my wedding. Oh, that's. For my brunch the next day. That's so sick. Yeah. That was. That was amazing. That's TBT. so incredible. Um, I think, okay, so the places I love to get a Bloody, Sunshine & Co. Do you know them? No. It's on Washington Ave in like okay. Prospect Heights. Um. That's like my kind of go-to neighborhood brunch spot. It's like a half hour walk from my place and it's really lovely. Um, wow, when you just said half hour walk and I was like, that I would never walk a half an hour at this point. But in New York, you did all any the time, restaurant. Right? Yeah, I just like forgot that that's like a normal <laughs> thing. And I was like, if I walked a half an hour, like I don't even know where it would end up. That'd be such a crazy thing to do. So that's actually one of the number one reasons I'm not particularly drawn to LA is I'm, I love I love walking in New York. Like, yeah, I will. Like, I'm I'm someone who like, if I hadn't had a call before this recording today, because it's fucking gorgeous here today, I, I there's a I, I I would absolutely like throw on a podcast and walk from Bedside to Nomad where we are recording right now. Like, oh my, just like God. two hours like over the bridge. Like, I love that. And that uh, sounds so dreamy. Honestly, just it? hearing yeah, I'm just, just envisioning that, and like all of a sudden I just got a pang for New York. See, that's the thing. And it's like, I know it's like you get your different coffee shops in, you get to stop, like Ugh. pick up some croissants. Like it's just, you get to have a whole day of just walking. I, that is what I would miss the most if I had to go to LA. You'd get so bored walking here. Like it's like an hour in between two like interesting spots. You know what no, I mean? Absolutely. 
How have you felt? How has, okay. So how has your relationship to bars, restaurants, going out changed going from New York to LA? Um, I definitely go out less like, Mm -hmm. and I still go out a lot. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think the difference here is like, like I said, and this is maybe why I told you about like my perfect night being a night at voodoo is like in LA, you go to a spot and you kind of have to like lock in, Mm -hmm. you know, like you're not going to bounce. And that I I definitely miss bouncing around. Like that's such a New York thing. Like you go to one spot, you exhaust your time there or the spot is whack and you move on to the next. Like you don't really have that luxury here. And so you kind of have to lock into a place and just like accept that that's your night. And then it's not really going to go somewhere. And if you try and like bounce around, you're often sort of like chasing a night in a way that just doesn't feel romantic in the way yeah. that it does in New York. And so Damn. my nights out are more like I'm specific and I'm like, I want to go to these places that I know I can really enjoy. And I'm probably not leaving for several hours versus like, I'm going to go to six places tonight, which just was totally like a Saturday for me in Brooklyn would have been like, get up, work out have brunch and then like just keep going and then like it's suddenly it's nighttime and it's dinner and I've been to like six different bars and restaurants like that's the glory of New York Uh, yeah I mean that's you just described my perfect day like that is to me I love like those days that kind of just kind of flow from event to event to event and you kind of end up having dinner at a restaurant you weren't planning to be at Oh. When you woke up in the morning, but now suddenly you're there and like with people you didn't even know you were going to run into. That's like the best my heaven. So that, yeah, I think that's one of the thing I, things I fear most losing if I ever had to go to L.A. But I also think there is something nice about what you said about there is something nice about the parking it and having one long experience in a space. If you love that space. Yeah, there's you just really got to love the space and you got to find your spots because they're not all welcoming, you know, and it's not like you don't want to spend five hours in one place. So you really got to find your spots in L.A. And I think that's like my goal for this year now that like things are a bit more mm-hmm. open. I mean, when I moved here at the top of the pandemic or like really in the middle of the yeah, pandemic when totally no restaurants were were open for dining in some like then we transitioned to just outdoor dining and even still like obviously we're not fully open. And so I didn't really in my first year and a half here, like I didn't really get to experience restaurant life in LA the way it is meant to be experienced. And now it's like suddenly starting. And so I'm looking forward to this year being able to like actually go in and sit in all of the restaurants and like have the experience as it was meant to be had originally and like find my spots here, you know? I've never, so I've been to LA, but I've because I was there doing comedy stuff and like <laughs> most comedians are like not restaurant people at all. I feel like I, the LA restaurant scene is completely blind to me. Are there like outside of the, the need to kind of the inability to bop around? Yeah. Have you noticed just like general differences on how in like the vibe, how restaurants run in LA, how they operate, like the trend, like are there just like any glaring differences or do you feel like there's a lot of like similarities in like the restaurant <laughs> styles? Something I noticed the other day, this wasn't, ne- this isn't necessarily particular to just restaurants, but in LA, I was, I was in uh, a coffee shop, a restaurant and two stores in a, in one day, kind of like over the course of an afternoon. Nice. And in each of those spots, I was greeted by whoever was working there by someone who said, 
Hey, how are you? How is your day going so far? They all asked me not that, like, not just like, Hey, how's it going? And have it end there. Like every single one of them was like, how has your day been so far? Like, I want to hear from you. Yeah, like and that happened like to me four agreement. times Whoa. in a row in one day. And I was, and I, it kind of hit me at the end of the day. I was like, I don't think that that is the kind of like relationship that I have in restaurants or to, to, yeah. to restaurants in New York. Like everything's a bit more like fast paced. And it's like, no one really has time to ask anybody like, how has your day been? You know? Okay. And so that is like a marked difference for me. Like, I love the energy of New York restaurants, but like, they're kind of no bullshit, you know? And it's kind of like, let's get it done. Like there's people waiting. Yes. Which like, there's something, there's something fun about that to show up to the restaurants and like, you know, speak the language of that. Be like, I know, like I've, I've looked at the menu. I I know what I want. I'm doing, I can play ball, but I do. There's also, I'm sure it's, there is something nice about there being a little more space for the socialization aspect yeah it was really lovely I honestly was like okay LA like you did this is a good thing that yeah that does all right sounds nice right sounds fucking nice (laughs) it's like you get a kickback if I move to LA like (laughs) yeah (laughs) um what how did your how did your as you started trans like becoming a food media I guess, personality, like someone who people know within the food world as someone who is part of this whole machine. How did that change your relationship to going out to restaurants to like have becoming someone who people know in that world? In ter- do you mean in terms of like people knowing who I am when I'm out at restaurants? I guess so. I'm just curious, like, because like I'm a, I'm a comedian. Yeah. But I did, I've done a lot of stuff about food and wine and I worked in it for a long time. So I, I, I'm somewhat in that world. And when I go to restaurants and bars, like sometimes it comes up or like, I think I have a larger fan base within that community than I do maybe within other things in New York. And I'm just curious as you, as someone who like, that's your whole situation. Like, has that changed? Like how you approach going to restaurants, how you've been treated in restaurants, like just in general, I'm curious. I mean, definitely, especially when I was living in New York, because most of my fan base is in New York because that's where I'm from. And uh, like when I was living in New York, I definitely felt like very well taken care of by the restaurant industry. Um, and it feels like, or or the food industry, I guess, in yeah. general, like it feels pretty small um, yeah. there. Now that I'm here, I'm sort of like fish out of water. And um, I don't, I don't necessarily feel that like camaraderie and that and it's okay. Like, it was such a treat to like walk into a restaurant and be recognized and be treated well. And like, that's a great thing. It happens less in LA because you go to less places, you bop around less. And also I'm just less known over here. Also there's but, like movie stars in these restaurants too, probably like, there's- yeah, it's like there's, there, there are bigger fish to fry here. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I actually like that. I have thought about that and sort of like that sort of community around food and all the all the like food culture happenings in in New York was really rich for me for many years um, mm-hmm. while I was living there and it feels like I feel a little bit like more alone out here and not in like a sad way but in just like a things are different now kind of way um that I'm coping with totally you know? I wonder like because that kind of to tie that back into what you were just saying about like the inability to bop around as like a patron of restaurants 
Yeah. I wonder if that, I'm just, I would love to, and I probably should at some point have someone on the show who works in restaurants in LA, like as, yeah. because like, you know, like, I mean, I'm sure whatever restaurants you worked at in New York, like you had your after hours spot and you had like, you knew the people who worked at the bar next to the restaurant and you knew, and like, totally. you have this sort of like spider network that grows from the different restaurant that you worked at. Someone you used to work with here now works there. And then like, as it grows, and I'm just curious if, because everything is more isolated in LA, like, I wonder what the food and restaurant and bar community is like out there in terms of that. I know. I don't know. Cause I've never really lived in it. You know, like I, I've never been there to shut down a restaurant at 12 or one in the morning in LA and see what happens. So I think you should bring someone on. What if I, and if you can't name them, we can also bleep them out, but what restaurants did you work at in New York before you started at Bon Appetit or before, I guess, before you stopped working in restaurants? Oh, why wouldn't I be able to name them? I don't name one of the restaurants I worked in because I talk a lot of shit about it and the person who owns it's very rich, but. Um. Oh, <laughs> um, first restaurant I worked in in New York was Pichaline, which I don't know if you were living in New York when Pichaline existed. It doesn't anymore. It's a Michelin starred like tasting menu, super hoity toity uh, restaurant up by Lincoln Center. It's like a pre-theater. Oh, experience type of spot uh -huh. um and I, like the menu was like 14 courses and um I worked there for like a year and like that I mean it's so cliche but like that was the hardest working in that like high intensity like that was the hardest job definitely in kitchens that I ever had like definitely got told I was a shoemaker like it was <laughs> <laughs> which like is kind of a weird insult but like I just remember I recall being told I'm a shoemaker like that That's like so if crazy. I couldn't cook the fish the right way then I just might as well just be like repairing shoes Jesus um Christ. which like honestly maybe I should have um <laughs> But I've cooked that, your fish recipes. They're fantastic. So that's not true. <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, I honestly wouldn't trust myself with a pair of shoes. Um, but so, yeah, that restaurant kind of like really whipped me into gear. And then I was like, after a year working there, I was like, I am going to go so far away from fine totally. dining. Like, I, I don't even like to fine dine in like Same. personally as a patron. I just I can't even tell you the last time I did. Honestly, it's just not my bag. Um so I, but I was like, I want to have this experience. I want to like get this under my belt. I want to learn everything I can. I'm going to get abused and then I'm going to leave and like yep. take care of myself. And so I left and then um, I worked at this place called All's Well, which I don't know if you've ever been there. It's on Bedford in Williamsburg. It's still there. Nate, what Nate was the chef. He, um, he used to work at the Spotted Pig and then he left and opened that. Bedford and, so and what? Bedford and North 10th. I'm almost positive I've been there. Yeah, it's like a little British, like cozy little gastropubby spot. I worked there for like a year and a half or so. Um, and that was kind of just like casual, like American British mm -hmm. pubby kind of vibes. Then I worked at the Glassery. Okay. In Greenpoint with um, Sarah Kramer. And she's out here now and has restaurants out here, but that's kind of um where we sort of start like what's kind of where we met um and so yeah did a little stint there at her middle eastern spot and then was there another restaurant in there i think i'm forgetting one restaurant but maybe that was 
all of them, I guess that kind of turned into about five years. And then I moved into like, I moved away from it and moved into food media, food styling, like this side of things that I'm now still in. Was that a hard transition? No, because I was ready for it. Like I kind of like after those years, I realized I don't want to own my own restaurant. And so like, I need to figure out what the other thing is. And I'd always like, love I'd always like dreamed of this like notion of food media I didn't even really know what it was but I was like magazines and like yeah. <laughs> all you know like Condé Nast and um and so it like it was always kind of in the back of my mind is like this is a part of the industry that I'm really interested in and when I once I finally decided owning a restaurant is like not the life I want for myself yeah. that was like a natural kind of pivot was that so here we are was I'm because I went through a similar thing because I loved bartending so much when I was younger when I first started it I loved it so much and I really thought I wanted I would be happy doing it for the rest of my life and then I moved to New York and actually saw what being like a high level professional bartender looked like as a lifestyle and almost immediately was like there's literally no way yeah and I found that absolutely terrifying like this realization that like this thing I wanted was not actually what I wanted did that yeah. did you have that or were you kind of like very comfortably like okay next move no because part of the reason that I went into restaurants in the first place is because I chose kind of specifically not to go to culinary school and so going to work in restaurants was a a journey of figuring out whether I wanted to own my own restaurant operate my own restaurant but b a journey of just learning how to cook professionally instead of paying for an education in culinary school And so I always sort of knew that it was like, regardless, it was going to be a means to an end. And I decided culinary school wasn't the best use of my time and money and working in restaurants kind of like killed two birds with one stone. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, Well, I guess sort of like to wrap, because I I mean, I could literally talk to you about this for absolute hours. I think we could just name restaurants and talk about our opinions. (laughs) You have 30 other people to do that with or 29 (laughs) other people to do that with. (laughs) And I'm sure you have a table waiting for you at Hidden Pearl. Hidden Pearl? Found Oyster. <laughs> That's amazing. That is so humiliating. <laughs> That's so good. I'm only calling it Hidden Pearl from I'm now I'm like on. running around LA being like, no, it's called Hidden Pearl and it's amazing. My, my friend Molly told me about it. Oh like, my That's God. Not- like it's the most poppin' restaurant in LA, I swear. And they're like, um, it's not showing up on Google Maps. It's literally called Found Oyster. Yeah, and you I- call it Hidden Pearl. <laughs> You're a fucking icon. <laughs> That's so crazy. Like you just flipped it and reversed it. <laughs> it could not be more antithetical to the actual name. <laughs> it's literally the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Sometimes I will say, okay, like uh, uh, <laughs> sometimes at Kindred or and when I would work, like the wine list was just like constantly rotating and it's like natural wine from Italy and Slovenia. So it was like, <laughs> and like Georgia and Croatia and it was just be like every day it was like an indigenous varietal you'd never heard of before and yeah. I would sometimes table side someone would be like what's the grape on this and like rather than be like I don't know let me look up I would just be like uh, and just like make a sound and they'd be like oh my god amazing like I, would- <laughs> I do that like I'll be like oh oh awesome like love that grape like you know what I mean like you kind of just got to play the game everybody's playing the game when we're talking about natural wine like no one wants to admit they don't know what's going on and so the fongu is like an <laughs> iconic grape iconic iconic grape people love to be told they don't know something yeah uh, 
Um, well, I guess to wrap it up, I would just, I'm curious if you, as someone who has kind of had this 360, very seasoned restaurant patron, seasoned back of house, you know, seasoned food person, like a pro tip, a la extending your bloody with a, with a beer, like a pro tip for someone who's maybe not as well seasoned as you or I in this world for the next time they go out. Always carry a small tin of Malden salt with you because you'll never know when your food may be under seasoned and it can be oftentimes very rude or embarrassing to ask for salt at a restaurant. And so yeah. never let me catch you without a tin of Malden in your purse. That's truly That's genius. all I have to say. That's truly genius. Uh, for my wedding, we gave out, you know, like, you know, those are like mint tins that you <laughs> normally... So we bought like 500 of those because you have to buy them in bulk. Yep. And then we emptied them all of the mints, washed them all, and then filled them all with Malden salt and gave them out. Like so that everyone could have okay, a little Your wedding sounds Malden. fucking cool. You, it sounds like it you had a amazing. fucking cool wedding. It was small, but it was mighty. That's incredible. Well, yeah. this was perfect. Thank you so much for doing the show, Molly. Really appreciate it. Is it is my pleasure. I'm so happy to actually connect with you and see your face and chat with you. And I would love to actually do it in a restaurant next time we are in the same city. Yeah. I'll let you know when I'm coming to New York. Think about the polygamous relationship <laughs> between New York and LA. LA is here. I am here. And I would love to hang with you if you come out here. At Hidden Pearl. I Yeah. I'm going to be At visiting soon. <laughs> I'm going to be visiting soon. hundred percent. Okay. You'll tell me. I will. Well, thank you so much. And thank you. Good luck with it. I can't wait thank to hear. You. I know. I'm so excited. I'll let you know when it's dropping. Thank you so much for listening to Going Out with Jake Cornell. If you could please go and rate and review us on whatever you're listening to this on, that would be really gorgeous for me in a huge way. So thank you. And now for some credits. Going Out with Jake Cornell is recorded in New York City and produced by Keith Beavers and Katie Brown. The music you're hearing is by Darby Seasai. The cover art you're probably looking at was photographed by M. Cooper and designed by Danielle Grinberg. And a special shout out to Vinepair co-founders Josh Mallon and Adam Teeter for making all of this possible. <laughs>